This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and happy Wednesday whenever you're listening to this. And uh, interestingly enough, by the way, if, you, uh, if you're not connected with myself here on YouTube or on LinkedIn Live, today we're doing the Game Changers Experience podcast uh, with myself, Adam Strong. If you, uh, and, and today we, we've got a live show today uh, with someone that I'm going to be bringing on very, very shortly. So I'm super excited about that. Um, if you guys that don't know me or haven't followed me in the uh, in the uh, in the past, if you're listening to me on LinkedIn or if you've connected with me on LinkedIn, then please do me a favor, hit that notifications button on LinkedIn Live and also on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel and hit that notifications button. So today I'm excited because we do a live podcast show called Game Changes Experience. If you don't know about the Game Changes Experience, please go check it out on Apple. Amazon Music, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and today we're on a live show. So hopefully you guys will be able to answer any questions or if you have any, if you even if you want to give us a like, share, a comment, then that's super awesome too. So let's get straight into the gist of things because today's conversation is going to be absolutely awesome. I'm looking forward to it. To it. Um, so today's guest of today, hopefully. right and is the author of the values compass which is all about how where she traveled to over 101 countries that taught her a little bit about purpose life and leadership right and how it relates to business uh, she's a global authority on values work with companies institutions and individuals from around the world uh, she's traveled to over 150 countries she, she when we first met each other actually she was working for the BBC as a journalist. And uh, her book, The Values Compass, is actually an international best-selling Wall Street Journal uh, author book and also been quoted in the Sunday Times as well. Uh, and her book, uh, The Values Compass, has also been quoted um, and endorsed by the Dalai Lama and also global visionary Deepak Chopra. Super exciting stuff. So some of the things that we're going to be covering to today's episode, ladies and gents, is we're going to be talking about a little bit about how Randeep, sorry, how, how Mandeep had got into, um, had, had Mandeep had kind of like become fascinated around learning about values and culture. And we're going to be talking about the backstory behind that. We're also going to be talking a little bit about how you guys, if you're running a business, especially for business leaders and entrepreneurs, how you can take this crucial information and especially if you're growing a business and it's so crucially important that if you learn about different cultures and their values, it could be the missing piece of the puzzle, right? 
Uh, so we're going to be talking a little bit about that as well. We're going to be talking about what are values. You know, so it, it's interesting because I guess we all have different um, analogies and connotations and the definition of what values really are. And we're also going to be talking about how uh, Mandeep is also uh, how she goes about observing you know, cultures and, uh, and 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 how she formulated it down to just one particular word in value. So, drum roll, please. Without further ado, Mandy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. How thank are you? you? Very well, thank you. And you? I'm very well. I'm very well. I'm excited. To, I'm excited that we finally get to have some fun and get to connect. Right. Yes, I can hear the excitement, which is brilliant. I appreciate it. First thing in the morning, it's great. Where are you talking Absolutely. to me from? I'm actually in Sweden at the moment, so uh, that's where I'm at at the moment. So, uh, yeah. I am I am subtly, not subtly displaying two forms of the Values Compass. This is one of them. <laughs> and this is the other. So this is the hardback and the paperback. Got it. And Interestingly enough, by the way, man, because I was actually looking yeah. through... Because I travel between, and we mentioned, and we talked about this offline, right? Cyprus and Sweden. And I was like, interesting. That's interesting. But we'll talk about. Did you, you, did got... you read Cyprus and Sweden? Do you see the differences? I just Cyprus, wrote. I, I talk about appreciation. Appreciation, yeah. absolutely. And Sweden, you talked about, I think it was cooperation. Is that right? Yes, cooperation. Cooperation, cool. All right. Well, listen, let's get into the gist of things for you guys that are listening to us um, live or replay or whatever it is. Do me a favor. Use the hashtag live. Use the hashtag replay. Um, I'm going to be excited about today's conversation. Also, if you have any questions for Mandeep as well, do us a favor. Give us a like, share or comment on the comment section below. Uh, That will be super, super awesome. It's always good to have a, a live audience or just some engagement. That would be super awesome. But if not, guess what? You guys that listen to the, today's recording, um, you can also, we'll be putting Mandeep's um, links, her backlinks and, and, and some information about her book on the information below. So you can go check that out. Anyway, let's get into the gist of stuff because um, what I was going to say to you, um, you know, interestingly, when we first came connected, which was many years ago, I think it was through a business event, wasn't it? We we were talking about this the other day, it's like, how did we get connected? And then we, we kind of gisted it down to a business event, which was many years ago. But, it, you know, it's interesting because but we haven't really kind of really got to know each other until really, really recently, which is fascinating. But I, I find your work really very fascinating. And we share very similar networks. We, we rub shoulders with very, you know, similar people, which is uh, kind of cool as well. Um, but tell us a little bit more about what got you fascinated into values and learning about different cultures. Where did that all begin for you? Um, well, I think you or anyone who uh, anyone who's ever kind of talked to anyone from somewhere different, you always think, "Huh, what what is it about them? What what?" has their history been their what's the geography that they live in what's the what who are the people that they're surrounded by how is it that these i don't know whether it be i'm thinking of a time when if you've ever met an eskimo or if you've met someone from if you're living in china and you've met someone different i'll give you an example there was a moment when i was walking uh, to school mm-hmm. and i was the only person of color in my whole school 
my whole village, the whole like for miles. Like I rarely would ever see someone. Um, in fact, I saw no one like me when I was growing up. I was I, I was brought up in a small village between Gloucester and Cheltenham, and um, this in this little village called Churchtown. On my way to junior school one day, one morning, which was a walking distance from my home. Um, on my way to school, a boy tripped me up and I, and I fell onto the pavement as he tripped me up and my, um, nose broke and there was blood everywhere. It's like I had a nosebleed wow. and my nose broke. And when I got to school, it must've been like, yeah, I must've, I was covered and the, the little boy and I get to school and the teacher's like, what happened? <laughs> this is horrific. Like what on earth, what, what occurred? And um, the boy said, oh, I just wanted to see whether her blood was brown or red. Like he he genuinely had not seen anyone of my skin tone. And that's just one type of difference, right? My, I'm physically different. Um, but I'm sure he was curious about the language we spoke at home, which is Punjabi and Hindi, mm-hmm. um, about the food we ate, about... Uh, how we lived, how things were colorful or different or whatever. There was, there were so many differences. So I was like, right from the get go, I knew that I was different. Just like we all know that there are some things about us that are similar to others and some things that will be different. But what makes that difference? What is the beauty in that difference? Um, and as children, actually, you all try and fit in. You do whatever you can so that you're not different. Why, you know, where, what are the similarities? I just wanted to know what the world was like. What is the beauty in the world? Why is it the way it is? And what can we learn from one another so that we are better versions of ourselves each and every day so that that 1% of ourselves improves? And if it's just even 1%, I'm not asking us all to take on some big challenge, but even if we just thought, ha, huh, today I'm going to smile a little bit more or today I'm going to just be mindful before I speak is this mm. what I'm going to say helpful or harmful even to mm. myself or whatever it be um, and really I think that curiosity about myself and others and the world is what led to this book and this book which um, the title is actually what 101 countries teach us about purpose life and leadership it's what each and every place, culture, um, part of the world. It's what, it's what we can learn from one another. It's almost wisdom from around the world distilled mm. into, a, into, a, into a kind of a structure that could help you. What, what would your life be like if you took cleanliness as a core value, the way Rwanda did after the Hutu and Tutsi genocide? And where they clearly thought they are not going to even say those words. They're going to clean up their speech. They're going to clean up the capital, Kigali. They're going to clean up the countryside. They're going to clean up their attire. Like, they wear uniforms. They're going to clean up their appearance. They're going to clean up what comes in, like, how their mind, almost like flush out their minds, their psyche, their history, and their future. And you see it, like, today, just a few weeks back, they became, um, you know, Paul Kagame is now the head of the Commonwealth. I mean, it's just wow. been such a transformation. <laughs> uh, what would our lives be like if we just started our desk with that level of cleanliness or you started your day with that? You know, often it said, 
that um, cleanliness is next to godliness. So that's just an example of one value. Mm, I love it. And Fantastic. And you also, I, I, I also read, <clears throat> and you had a really big um, appetite for traveling when you were younger as well, weren't you? Yes. Um, but it, it didn't begin with, uh, with this. I wasn't, I wasn't born into an abnormal family with abnormal resources or had any <laughs> abnormal um, advantages. I remember just going on a normal school trip to France as an 11 year old, just like my son has come back from, <laughs> you know, like we all do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and actually I, I, I wasn't even privileged enough to necessarily go on holiday every year or go away every year. Most of the holiday, my holidays were in Britain. Um, but I remember receiving this one opportunity um, when I was 19, and that was that I was given a scholarship to go and study in Melbourne um, uh, at the University of uh, at the University of Melbourne. And um, I thought, wow, this is my one moment. Wouldn't it be great to travel as much as I could on my way back home, like just to see as much as I could before I get you know, caught up into the world of work or before my parents marry me off or before it's all over. <laughs> and um, and I really took that opportunity and made the most of that. So uh, tried to go to uh, like across Southeast Asia on my way back. And that's, I think, when I thought, okay, there's something possible here. And then after that, whenever I could get an opportunity, for example, I took a sabbatical um, whilst at work, I was working for JP Morgan. And when they merged with Chase Manhattan, I took a three-month sabbatical and thought, okay, now I want to, you know, I've been to Southeast Asia. Wouldn't it be great to now experience a little bit of Central America or what would it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, mm. and also, of course, I then took on what is my ultimate job uh, to work for the World Service and to be able to report back from different parts of the world and different countries in the world. And that's how I've now traveled 185 countries. It's by... Um, wow. sharing with you uh, what is it that will transform your life or bring enlightenment or knowledge? You, how could the community of Ladakh, um, how is that their ban on plastic bags? How have they managed it? Have they managed it? What could we do in our own locality? Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of what led to a lot of my work. Love it. Great story. Fantastic. Always interesting to hear really fascinating stories. Um, I want to kind of ask you, like, from your perspective, and just kind of to give some context to our audience members and our listeners, from your perspective, what, what, how does one define value? Or what is a value to, from your perspective? Because I, I, I think it's one of those uh, words where I think we all have a slightly different analogy or a slightly different twist on stuff. But from your perspective, what is, a, what is defined as a value? So I keep it really simple and um, it's not hugely academic or hugely complex. A value is simply what you value, what you think is important, what is number one or crucial for you. Mm, and mm -hmm. so um, it could be, it, a value could be defined as health or a value could be defined as excellence or a value could be defined as forgiveness or compassion or creativity. Um, so it's what is important to you. 
But Nani, um, would it, say we took individuals. Now, for, from my perspective, like for me, I would probably generally have, I would say that I have five core values, yes. right? But then does it make any difference if there's just one or there's five? Does the fundamentals and the numbers make any difference? Yes, um, in the sense that if you took just one or always focused on the one core value, the likelihood is that, well, anything in extreme can, um, in extreme or excess can actually have an adverse effect on your life. So, for example, Mm. even if your core value is love or service or compassion or, you know, something as noble or as great as that, in excess, mm. it can create um, problems. It can have a shadow side or create a shadow. So even bright light will create a shadow is my point. So the point of having five is that it gives a sense of um, balance. And even a stool or a chair or anything would need more than one leg to really have stability. Mm. And True. it's that sense of being able to be rooted in three to five different so for example when your family a a good example of kind of family values might be something like family respect education if all Mm -hmm. you wanted for your children was education 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 likelihood is that you'd like turn them off almost you know it would be too (laughs) intense too much so you want it balanced a little bit with fun or creativity or respect or fat, whatever it be. And that's important for you. That's important. You need diversity. You need variety. You need balance. So what you're saying is you generally have one main one, but for an individual, there tends to be around three to five, right? Five, actually. Five. Five. Okay, cool. Five's a good number. Good. Well, it's a good job that I have five then. Right, wonderful. (laughs) And not just to have five, but also to to prioritize those, to have Mm. a number one, two, three, four, five. Like if everything is equally as important, it can become difficult to make decisions because you've Mm. kind of pitted them as the same. But if you've made something as a priority, then it's easier and more helpful to make decisions. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. Um, I was going to say, I mean, you, traveling to over 185 countries and you, your book is specifically focused on the 101 that you travel to. How did you, how did you dissect it down to one particular value that, you know, that, that was related to that particular country? I, I'm fascinated to learn about that. But the aim was not to stereotype a country into one value, but the aim was simply Mm. to, um, rather than create an academic book that talked about the value of compassion, I just Mm. took you into a country where compassion is number one. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. For example, when I take you to America, I can show you a million examples where entrepreneurship is lived, breathed, how how it manifests itself, how it has transformed that country. Or if I take you to um, Japan and show you all the ways that respect kind of is permeated into every strata of that society. Or if I take you to Madagascar and show you this kind of the way that the villages are based upon solidarity, the way they look after one another, the way they, Mm. you know, they are each other's insurance policy, given the lack of insurance policies. 
Um, they are one another's kind of network and and support structure. Right. Um, That I was simply, the aim of the book was simply to show you how different societies, because of their history, geography, culture, background, psyche, sociology, because of all of that, have, are evolving into their best selves, but have evolved around a particular value a little bit more than others. Um, and it's easier to um, visualize or bring it into your life when you can see how it's operated elsewhere. So, for example, Turkey. Everyone thinks they're hospitable, but the Turks really take hospitality to a whole other level. Like I remember they will, <laughs> you know, they won't let you pay for your meal. They'll leave their own bedroom and change the sheets and give you their bedroom. They just won't have a spare bedroom. It's like <laughs> the main bedroom is your bedroom. They'll like, mm. you know, they'll have a definitely try and always reserve at least a, a second lounge or a formal lounge or a guest lounge or have a part of the house that is deliberately reserved for you for when the guest who is next to God comes in or they'll have a tray ready-made with, you know, nuts and raisins and everything 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 waiting for that guest to come in it's just like a whole other level of <laughs> and you know we can learn from that we can learn from what it what it was what it's like to make your guest feel like god for example i love it i i call it the um uh experience of wow that's what I like to call it. When when someone goes above and beyond in terms like to try to make you feel comfortable, and you know, it's kind of that that wow experience. So, but I agree with you actually on the because I mean I've been to Turkey in, a number of times, and I would I would agree with you. We're treated like kings and queens when we go to their country. So, um, yeah, we should learn from that, right? That was the we should definitely learn from that. Should feel like that. <laughs> yeah. I have a guest coming tonight. I have to up my game. I'm just thinking about it. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, interestingly enough, um, I was going to ask you, and this is powerful information. I mean, if you're running, if you're a, if you're a business leader of a, a global organization, or even if you're running a small business looking to expand into global markets, how can we use the information that you've written about um, to, you know, to make things a little bit easier? Maybe to a bit more effective with regards to the way that we treat people or the way that we behave or the way that we relate to people how could we use that information to our advantage well i do think that although we've always had many international people within our teams it does feel as though every zoom call has 120 <laughs> nationalities or 40 nationalities like, <laughs> we're, we're much more global than we were even sitting in whichever multinational we were sitting in just because right. all those people now come onto your screen and they're in your living room and it, i mean it is it's like having a piece of kryptonite kryptonite or a you know a superpower to be able to tap mm. in to the best of someone's culture and to be able to relay it to them and immediately you're able to build a connection or build a rapport or have an understanding of that person's background that even perhaps they haven't thought about. So this book became, um, was chosen as a guide to the Olympics in 2020 by Tokyo. And they created Mm. this beautiful Japanese version, all singing or dancing, all in color, with not, you know, almost much better than, than this in the sense that it has maps in it. It has, um, all kinds of, 
pictures and facts and artifacts, etc., all in order to celebrate. I mean, it's what I do. I, it, the book has been written to celebrate each and every place and each and every person. But they mm. just took it to a whole nother level because they wanted every athlete, but every all the supporters of every nation to feel as celebrated and as comfortable and as understood as they could. Um, mm. And I think that's why the book then, uh, you know, has won awards in um, as the business book of the year in the DEI, diversity, equality, inclusion category. I think it's that sense of in your team, if you're able to know the best of each and every person, it's like if you're able to know their strength, Mm. then how much better are they going to be appreciated and how much better they're going to then resonate and respond to you when they feel as though you've really recognized them. Mm. So it's, it's critical and crucial just on that level. If you just look at it from that, that level on the course and many different layers to this book, it's not, it's not just about your international team, but yet even at just that level, it's transformational. You know, it's interesting because, um, you know, I mean, we've, probably had numerous conversations where you know your business is say based in the US and you're looking to expand into say India or whatever it might be and the cultures are, are like polar opposites right same with British culture and Scandinavian culture they're very very different and I see so many leaders getting it wrong you know with regards to oh we're going to take our same culture and our same values and take it to another country but it simply doesn't work like that. Well, I mean, what's your take on that? Um, I'd say that almost what we're, the successful companies and successful organizations aren't just trying to transport their national culture. They're mm. creating, they're being mindful, of, you know, they're getting down to their top five values too. For example, Levi Strauss, when it looks at what it stands for, originality, durability, creativity. You Then it doesn't matter what country you land in, you're able to really communicate what you stand for and seek out the talent in that country that resonates with that, the consumers and customers that resonate with that. Um, and it has a much greater frequency because you're able to communicate it from those values. So it's not about mm -hmm. transporting your, nas your national values. It's about transporting what you really genuinely stand for. For example, Unilever. So they stand for sustainability, not just, um, you know, not just in this kind of oh, ESG or this usual way of talking about it. But no, we want to make sure that our products and services that we're thinking when we even when we acquire a company, we're thinking about the seven generations, the next seven generations that might be affected by what we're doing now. And Good that's cool. a powerful cool. way. Yeah. I agree. I, I, I think it's a fascinating. I know, I know we've got a couple of questions coming in, which which will which will answer very shortly. I love shortly, that. I love that. Yeah. Which which we love. Um, so, but I I have an interesting thought because I know that you've lived in a lot of these countries, right? And you know, and so you've kind of got a bit of a, an edge in the game. But I'd love to know more about. Say you, I don't know. Say you lived in a particular country, or you were there for a period of time. Call it a month or whatever it might be. What are you looking for from an observation perspective that, so effectively, I don't know how you kind of, do you journal? I mean, what do you look for in terms of, you know, behaviors? Are you looking for cultures in order to define it down to that one particular value? 
I mean, that, that takes, that's a science. That's an art. I mean, that, that, that is skill if you don't mind me saying so, but what do you, what I'd love to know what, what the thought process and what you're doing as you go to these different countries and what, and what you did. Well, it's, um, it, my training is, is that of an investigative journalist. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> this doesn't come without, um, research, uh, book research but also I mean and I have a PhD in in the subject Uh, but also without talking I mean this book is not me this book is thousands of other voices Um, so it's a combination of um, academic research but real lived experience Um, many 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 conversations with people who are at the top of the uh, you know prime ministers and presidents but the shoe cleaner, the, um, the, the person, the attendee who puts the petrol in, the, um, the person who works at the supermarket, your baker, your, um, the, uh, the school teacher, everyone and anyone. Um, but also, as you said, observations. I mean, I can tell you key stories that fundamentally, I can sum up a country by one story because you will resonate with it. So for example, my own country, as in I'm third generation British, but I'm of Indian heritage. Yes. So my parents, my grandparents um, were part of this build Britain uh, request that Britain had of, you know, and I asked its colonies to come and help in the boundaries, et cetera. Yes. And they, um, <clears throat> there was a sense that I will, I'm Indian, but yet I've never really been to India and don't really know it. <laughs> and so when I went to India, I always thought I was Indian because here I'm always referred to as Indian. And when I went to India, everyone referred to me as the, you know, the foreigner. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, well, that's, uh, you know, and they knew I was foreign just from the way I moved my head. I didn't even have to speak, forget my accent or forget the fact that I've been speaking Punjabi and Hindi since it's my mother tongue, that none of that mattered. They could just tell from the way I moved. Um, but I remember just thinking, wow, in, in the rickshaw, it wasn't just uh, Ram and Krishna, like Hindu gods that were on the windscreen. It was yes. like uh, Jesus was there, Prophet Muhammad was there, uh, Buddha was there, uh, you know, the the... Sikh gurus were there. It's like every faith and religion was represented on the windscreen of the rickshaw. And it's like, may all the gods protect us as we were about to take this journey. And thank goodness, because it's a pretty terrifying journey. (laughs) So it's like this, this sense of, it's just immediately you get the fact that there is this like vein of faith or spirituality that runs through India. And I'm just like, I live just a block away from Abbey Road Studios. Um, Abbey Road is, is, you know, 30 seconds away from me, the studios are. Nice. And, you know, there's not, it's not surprising that the Beatles or Steve Jobs or everyone, who, you know, who's anyone in the Western world has taken this pilgrimage to India for that faith and spirituality. <laughs> so, you don't, all, every country has something like that where it pulls in people because of a particular attribute or value that it does well. Love it. Love it. Now, I want to go back to our question. Now, our question comes from uh, Stefan Tonin. Uh, Stefan mm. was one of our co-authors of our book last year, Play the Game. And he says, uh, Vanity cultures are the most times mentioned in one sentence. Should we separate more of them or more of? 
So he says, fascinating conversation, values and cultures. <laughs> so we miss the first slide. Um, so what do you mean by that, Stephen, I wonder, um, or Stefan? Should we separate more, should we separate them more or? Yeah. So, so, yeah, so I, yeah. I, I kind of understand where he's kind of coming from, but let's get a little bit more clarity. Stefan, if you're hearing us, We'll wait for your wait for your answer to come through, and then we'll or, it. or Adam, if you understand it, you can just tell me what what's the crux of the question there. I, I think it's about... one sentence, but should we separate them? I think yes is the answer. Um, we mm. should separate them. Yes, they are often we often summarize very quickly our values. Um, I think that there's a time and a place. The aim of this work or the aim of this book is to give you you. A, a moment to reflect and do a deep dive of what, how you're operating or almost the software that's operating you. Mm -hmm. And if you do that mindfully, deliberately for a moment, and it doesn't have to take long, it can be as short as 15 minutes or as long as the two day retreat, it, it's up to you. But if you have time, if you create that time or if we create that time to reflect on what's really driving you, um, and you become mindful of it, then that the time or the sentence or how quickly you then process things as they're coming to you can be much faster because you've done the thinking in the in the forefront in the get go at the get go. But if you um, and and that would be my answer that you give yourself the time and space to really swim in this for a moment so that your reactions are not just already always kind of just automatic reactions from your worldview but that you have that you can be make a choice that you can be considered um but it doesn't have to take time because you've put in the work of the uh, right you know you put in the work when you do the process which doesn't take long yep i think i, I think i think that was a good answer um if you want to uh, if you if, if there's anything else that you want to get some some clarity on stefan please feel free to use the chat box and that's Really interesting. Um, I know what I was going to ask you. Was there one particular country that you were, I suppose, not obsessed, that's not the right word to use, <laughs> but I would say kind of more fascinated you or maybe surprised you in and created this kind of, you know, you have this, uh, one of your values is all about curiosity. You are curious. and you, You're a very curious person. I love that about you. And was there one particular, um, when you did all this traveling, was there one particular country that you thought, wow, you know, I never, this completely surprised me. Any thoughts? So um, I'm glad you didn't ask the question. You kind of have tried to ask this question, but you're reframing it slightly differently. So when I'm asked, what's your favorite country? I always say, it's like trying to choose your favorite child. It's better I don't. Um, no. And I'm not here to say, you know, one of these countries out of 101 is more exciting or more fascinating or anything like that. But I think you framed your question a little differently, which is to say, uh, is the one that surprised you or that you were keen to get to or um, that made a real impression? I mean, they have all made a real impression. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to write it in the way that I did and I wouldn't have been able to... I've deliberately presented each country is equally um, and each value is equally important and equally uh, life-changing or transformative and equally valuable. Um, 
But I remember when I visited, I remember wanting to visit Cuba before Fidel Castro passed. I remember wanting to experience what that sense of communism or socialism was like when it's operating with a particular vision in mind. I remember um, being really blown away on how, uh, so I slipped into the Cuban society in the peso economy. I never entered the dollar economy. I never went to a hotel. I never sat at a restaurant. I was just not a tourist. I only, I was kind of a pseudo, I speak Spanish. I can look Cuban. I just slipped into the, um, to being someone's niece and then was passed from family member to family member at one stage with the aunt in Trinidad and the cousin, you know, the artistic cousin. <laughs> like it was just, went, it, was, it was really great. I just, yeah. And so, um, yeah, it was really special. And it meant that I really got to see what it was like when an artist is treated rewarded the same monetarily but also treated the same as the doctor or as the rubbish collector or what it's like to have that level of we are the same we might have different talents and we might have different skills but that doesn't mean one person should be at this standing in society and another person should be at this standing in society hmm. and it was incredible it was really um i feel very privileged to have experienced cuba when when it when that was its DNA. Mm. And I saw how many people from around the world, like I saw how exceptional its um, educational system was. I saw students from everywhere coming to study medicine there. I saw how well it does. I mean, in the Olympics, you know, it fares, it fares much better, hugely better than a tiny little Caribbean country should. It's like <laughs> on a par, you know, it's on a par with China and America in terms of medals. It's just extraordinary what it does. It's kind of resolver or resourcefulness. Um, you might have a clapped out car, but you're able to extend its life longer when you know that you're just going to use a rubber band and you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm not saying it, I'm not saying that cars are built from rubber bands, but you know what I mean? That you make things work because yeah. you're not there to just buy the next the next version, or it's not just mm -hmm. a it's not a consumerist society, at least it wasn't. And I was very lucky to have experienced that society when I did. Very cool. Very cool. Love it. Love it. Some some good stuff. And for you guys that are listening in, whether it be listening live, um, and you want to answer any further questions to Mandy, uh, you're welcome to come and uh, say hi. Uh, Stefan says, great answer. Thanks. There we go. So thanks very much for your contributions. We love contributions and engagement. Um for you guys that are listening in and you have any further questions, of course, you can, uh, we'll put, uh, at the end of the show, we'll put the links to mandate so that you can reach out and connect with her. Uh, and also we'll put links to her book as well. So that's kind of cool. Um, I know that you've had some wonderful endorsements. Um, Deepak Chopra being one of them, of course. And I noticed that, um, uh, Deepak had actually, uh, interviewed you as part of, I, I believe it's part of his podcast, how did that um, relationship come about? Was it that he seeked you out? Did you seek him out? I mean, obviously, um, you know, uh, he, he, you know he's, he's a great guy. And, and uh, how, how did that came about? How did that opportunity come about? He, uh, we have been, I'd say more than friends. He's almost like an uncle to me. Um, uh, and we've known each other for about 15, 20 years. Um, wow. Uh, as a result of 
so he studied at, when I was at Harvard, he was doing a lecture at Harvard Medical School, but I think it's because he also has studied there too and lectured there. Um, so I think, but we met the first time in New York. He has a home in New York um, as well as in California. And um, and he just lets me know. He lets me know when uh, I remember meeting his family <laughs> in Italy. Uh, he comes to London here very often. Um, and uh, I almost I remember when the book finally came out, he literally said, finally. <laughs> You've been talking about this for so long. I'm really glad that we have the product. And honestly, he's been such, he's been one of my greatest kind of champions. Um, he's not just endorsed me as in endorsed the book. He's really, he really has, uh, I always think there's a distinction between um, a mentor and a sponsor. A mentor is someone who will give you some good advice, but a sponsor is someone who would say, look, so-and-so, you need to speak to Mandeep because blah de blah blah Like, they'll just, you know, they'll make the introduction. They'll make it happen. Mm. And he has been that for me. He's been exceptional. Um, I owe him a lot. And uh, I hope that I know that he thinks well of the book, hence the fact that he interviewed me uh when he when he read it he was just like it's not just as you said it would be it actually really builds on even in his own book he talked in his own he has many many books over 80 books in his latest book of abundance he talks about values um but you know it's a few sentences and he's like thank goodness that you're really specializing in this area uh mm -hmm. because it needed that we needed that so um so i'm very very grateful to him um, now that kind of, I'm curious now because he'd mentioned about time. How long did it actually take for you to actually write the book? I mean, you didn't obviously travel 101 countries over the last couple of years, um, <laughs> unless you miraculously, you know, jumped on a, one of those Star Trek transporters, I, I guess. But how long did it actually take you to write this book, Mandeep? This has been a lifetime's work. I mean, the travel has literally taken my life, but much more importantly, even the writing of it has taken a decade. Um, I'd love to say wow. to you that I knocked it out in a year or two, but I didn't. It was, uh, <laughs> there are many dead kind of cats or manuscripts in the back garden. Um, it's iterated many, many times. And, um, uh, you know, I, the last 10 years have included me reading not just my scriptures, the Siddhi Guru Granth Sahib um, and actually, I'm really I'm going to be cheeky enough to even show you my scriptures since they're right here and we're in. Can you see them? Oh, uh, yes, can I can. Them? Fantastic! Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So not just uh, my scriptures, but also um, the Vedas, the Buddhist texts, the Bible, the Quran. I like all all spiritual texts talk about these values. Like, for example, there's this. Um, there's this part in the Quran which talks about the 99 attributes of Prophet Muhammad, which are essentially values, you know, all merciful, all compassionate, equitable, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm -hmm. But it's the same in the Bible. It's not just, it's, you know, the Bible has beyond the Ten Commandments. It's talking, all of those parables are talking about different values. Um, I was in a church service yesterday and even just one value, like you could have the whole service just about forgiveness and then breaking that down further. And, um, but also the 10 years have included a PhD and the 10 years have included 
talking to many, not just talking to, but working with many companies. So I just started to walk the walk, um, to start doing the work so that this became, had as much integrity as I could possibly muster within that time. Love it. Very cool. Um, interestingly enough, now, I know that 2022 is going to be a very interesting year for most, um, <laughs> the 21st century. How, from your perspective, do you, do you can a value change in a particular country because of, say, war or famine or, you know, something that may disrupt that complete value? What's your thought on that? It's interesting that when the um, when the Russia Ukraine uh, conflict started, people said mm. to me, "Oh, did you predict that, or are you a mind reader?" Because in the book <laughs> I have written about, uh, which came up before the conflict began, uh, I've written mm. about the fortitude, even more than strength, the kind of fortitude that Russia uh, exemplifies and is important to Russia, and the fight for freedom that has always been the case for um, Ukraine. Like it's not just mm. now that it's been fighting for freedom. It literally has had this, um, it's been over many, many, many centuries that it's been trying to distinguish itself and make sure that it's, that it has the freedom that it needs to be able to express itself as Ukraine. Um, and similarly, during the pandemic, many countries, word for word, were stood expressed their reaction to um, the pandemic according to their values. So your question is, can a country's fabric or value structure completely and utterly change? I'm sure it can. Mm. If, um, of course, if, a, you know, for example, Dominica, this tiny little island, when the earthquake happened um, mm. and the hurricanes, you know, when the hurricane comes through and it was completely destroyed, like literally there weren't leaves on the trees that kind of level of destruction and starting again, you have a moment where you can re reinvent yourself or create yourself or stand for something, um, learn from that and stand for something different. Uh, mm. But equally, these values are not, have not just, um, haven't just been created yesterday. They have been, there's that level of research and historical kind of context that is deep-rooted and comes from almost the foundation of that country, whether it's been a few hundred years, like we see in North America with its recent history, or whether it's been several thousand years, as we see in parts of Africa or Asia. Love it. Very cool. Very good. So, written the book, it's taken a decade, long time, <laughs> by the way. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I'm, it's true. Are you good? Good. I mean... You, you, you know, I, I've come across many authors that actually it's been a decade. They still have got that manuscript, you know, collecting dust on the shelf. So congratulations anyway. Um, <laughs> you passed it. Um, anyway, um, question. I know that you've uh, obviously, um, uh, you know, you, you're, you're one of the global authorities in this now. So where do you see yourself over the next sort of five to ten years in terms of like, you know, where do you see your work kind of moving towards? What do you want your work to be known for when, you know, when you're further on, maybe not even around? What's the legacy piece behind this? Well, I know my publishers have um, the right to my work for 70 years after I've passed away. 
So when you're not even around is a good is a good way of putting it. <laughs> um, uh, but I also don't like to think too far in advance because, um, as they say, God laughs at your plans. Um, but I just take things a day at a time. I'm really enjoying the journey uh, in the sense that I'm really enjoying working with countries, uh, world leaders, companies, schools, uh, youth groups, individuals, um, all kinds of, you know, like the whole gamut. I'm really, really appreciating. This is definitely going to, the rest of my life is definitely about values. Um, but the way in which I come about it, I think will um, iterate according to what the demand is and what people need and how our world and planet changes. Mm. Very cool. Love it. Well, listen, guys, I hope that you've been enjoying some of our conversations. Um, and if, you, if you've been fortunate, you can also listen to the recording of this uh, on the Game Changers experience, of course. Um, I was going to say to you, Mandy, but I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate you. You're very welcome. I appreciate you too. And thank you very much for having me. Maybe see you in Cyprus or in Sweden or in Britain or somewhere. One you never know. Soon, I hope. I hope. I'm sure that our paths will cross 100%. And, and I'm, and I'm and already envisaging that. That's really going to happen. So that's already made up to happen. So for you guys that are listening in, hope that you've enjoyed today, uh, today's talk with me and Mandeep. If you want to listen, learn more about her book, then please go check out some of the links I believe it's available on her website uh, through Amazon, all of the other distributors and booksellers throughout the world. Uh, it's also available on Audible. So if, you, if you're not much of a bookworm like me uh, and you like to listen to the audio version, then great, fantastic. It's, uh, I would highly recommend it. What I also would recommend as well, if you have any further questions that you want to, uh, please do connect with Mandy. Uh, and I'm sure that in due kind, she will obviously uh, her or team will um, uh, get back to you as soon as possible. Just mention the, the podcast as we go around. So from myself and Mandeep, I just want to say we appreciate you. Thank you so much for your engagement here. And if you have any further questions, feel free to reach out. So from me and Mandeep, thanks very much, guys. And we'll see you again on the next Game Changers experience. Take care and we'll see you soon.